92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Everybody, our first two guests are joining us to raise a glass to 29 Palms, California. That's where we are today. We're airing live our Big Blend Radio Happy Hour show, airing live from the historic Homestead Inn. You can check that out at 29in.com. Our two guests, our first two guests are Chuck Kaplinger. He's an amazing artist and muralist. Uh, he really knows about you know painting people, mm-hmm. uh, telling the history of the land and the people, as well as the natural history and nature. And uh, he also does metal work, too. Uh, he's also going to be joining us with his wife, Hoagie Forrester, who's an actress and has been there, done that around the world. So looking forward to chatting with them both. We were going to actually, initially our plans were to meet with them in their geodesic home in his uh, desert art studio and gallery, which is right outside Joshua Tree National Park here in 29 Palms. Uh, But, of course, with this uh, pandemic and this virus, we are all keeping our distance, our physical distance, but not, you know, we're here. We're all together in this. So uh, go to his website. It's desertartstudio.com. So we're going to chat with Chuck and then chat with Hoagie and have a good conversation. So, Chuck, how are you doing? Lisa, I'm doing fine. And Lisa and Nancy, or is it Nancy and Lisa? Well, she's uh, the mother. Thank you so, so much better for having. Her. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank no, you so much fine. for having Hoagie and I as your guest today on uh, Big Blend Radio's tour, uh, tour of Twenty Nine Palms, Toast to Twenty Nine yeah. Palms. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's been years. I mean, I think you know. I don't think any of us even remember us all meeting that it's been that long. <laughs> You know, when we first well, it has been, and Hogan and I have been here in uh, 29 Palms, actually 21 years this month. So oh, wow. it's been close to that since uh, we talked last. You know, I think it is actually been because our I know our magazine. I mean, we, back in the day when we were print, we had Southwest Blend, and we were the Blend, and went to Southwest Blend, and that's when we put you on the cover. Jerry Hagman, you know, here at Homestead Inn, she found us in the mountains in San Diego and said, you need to get your butts over to 29 Palms. <laughs> and when Jerry says something, we do it. She does. <laughs> she does it. Um, and so we got up here, and we saw all the murals, and I think we were kind of at the beginning of what was called the Oasis of Murals, right, the the whole community. That's we correct. Yeah. 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 And and so we put one of your, your murals on the front cover. I know the big lizard. Um I love the lizard. Yeah. So have you always painted murals or did I know that you do oil paintings too? What what came first for you? Well and actually what came first with me is I had a long commercial art career. Mm-hmm. I actually uh uh was an art director with NASA back in the sixties during the space race days. And then eventually I came from um, 
from Houston. That was in Huntsville, Alabama. I came there back to Houston, and then in 70, 79, moved to California. So when we moved here to uh, 29 Palms, I was commissioned to do a, uh, a mural. Prior to that, I'd done maybe eight or 10, 12 murals uh, in my Houston days. Oh, man, Houston. So when you do a mural, um, is there specific kinds of paints that you need to use? Or, I mean, in prepping the surface has got to be a little bit different than painting on canvas? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the process is really fairly simple if you have the right materials and uh, mm-hmm. the right people to work with. Uh, having the wall properly prepped is a, is a real must. And, uh, yes, I do use uh, paints that are uh, acclimated towards, uh, well, they're UV rated. I'll put it that way. Yeah, because in this climate with the intense heat that you can get, um, yeah, yeah. One one of the yeah uh, the wind the rain the heat all of that yeah. is a, a factor in uh, uh, the longevity of the mural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because coming back to Twenty Nine Palms and it's been I'm going to say like six to eight years since we've been here and um, was we found um, a new mural over at the Schoolhouse Museum and it was about the Desert Protection Act and that's one of yours right is that one of your latest ones out here? Yes, I actually uh, I partnered with that mural at the Schoolhouse Museum, and um, what's the other mural's name? Art Mortimer. Art Mortimer, of course. I'm sorry. Art is a, an accomplished muralist. He uh, usually works out of Los Angeles, but Art designed the mural. He actually painted a stamp pattern, and inside the stamp pattern, I painted the uh, the painting of the longhorn sheep, bighorn sheep. Mm. Okay, very cool. I love, I love that mural, and and because it was such a big deal, even when thinking about all the protection work that happened for the desert here, uh, to make everything work, I think that's what was so special to me. Is I mean, it was it was kind of a fight to make it all happen, right? To protect even the Mojave yes. Trails area, Santa Snow, all of that area. Oh, absolutely, and and you know, and so many people here are very protective of of the desert and of our environment and it's a quite frankly it's a continuous uh battle if you will and uh but i think uh the powers that be in in our higher desert have done a great job to be a part of that mm. and did you do the, so the two nine with the exclamation point when you drive into town from the west end right um you did that too i actually designed it and uh the city uh the city paid for it, and uh, we had an artist uh, from uh, between somewhere between here and L.A. Uh, do the actual construction of it. Okay, wow. But I actually took a, um, a cardboard backing from a sketch pad uh, and uh, put together the design for it in three dimensions. Wow. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, this is cool. Hmm. So yeah, what? where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. What led you to move to 29 Palms? Because you've got Houston, you've got L.A., you were in Hollywood, you had a studio in Hollywood, and then decided, hey, I'm going to 29 Palms. Do you remember the first day you ever set foot here? (laughs) Wow. Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, the wife and I were on 
my Harley Davidson, we were doing the river run and, uh, we left from Los Angeles and, uh, rode to the river. And on the way back, we managed to come through 29 Palms. And, uh, at the time we were, uh, we stopped for gas and, uh, free donuts and coffee to bikers. And, uh, someone mentioned, have you seen our murals in town? And of course mm-hmm. the wife, her, she kicks in and, uh, so, oh, well, here's the best muralist in the country right here. My my uh, husband's an artist. And so, voila, three or four months later, I'm commissioned to do the Desert Storm Victory Parade mural. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah, because it's interesting because I know you do murals everywhere, but um, I know we, we chatted about this before on, on the phone, but um, we were in Exeter, California as part of our Love Your Parks tour, visiting Sequoia National Park, Kings Canyon, and the Sequoia National Forest. And lo and behold, downtown Exeter, there I see a Chuck Kaplinger signature. <laughs> I'm like, we know that, dude. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah. did a mural up there, too. Do you want to tell people about that one? That, that's correct. Well, I don't remember much of the details, but I, I know most of my mural projects uh it starts with a phone call and uh, like, hey, Mr. Kaplan, you were interested in uh, talking to you about a mural in our community. And majority of the murals early on in uh, this part of California, at least, were done to uh, promote a community. A lot of the communities were smaller and murals uh, play a part in bringing in tourism or uh, renewing community pride, things like that. Mm. That, see, I think that's important to, you know, because I think murals tell the story. Um, They're so welcoming. Yeah, we actually, um, we, we're we on like a, not part, just we do the stories of parks as we travel in the communities, but a lot of you know, our friends and partners have like sent us on story missions, and one of them, uh, artist Victoria Chick, she's about as, out of Silver City, New Mexico. They have a healthy uh, mural program and public art program, and she sent us on a mission to document as much public art as we possibly can across the country. And it's interesting because you start to open your eyes into, you know, when you go to a community, things could be closed. You could be downtown before the town opens up, and you start to get a sense of what the town's about, like from ancient history to present times, the nature, the people. I think murals and and also the metalwork really do something to make a place a destination. Wouldn't you say that it it really goes hand in hand with tourism too? Putting public. Oh, art. absolutely. I I think mm-hmm. a good example of uh, some work Hoagie and I uh, worked on together would be Shafter, California, which is a farming community, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we did two murals. Each one was on a building a block long. So that's two blocks worth of Shafter's uh, history. And it was in celebration of their uh, centennial year. And uh, we spent probably two and a half, maybe even three months there working mm-hmm. uh, 10 feet away from their main thoroughfare with traffic going back and forth. <laughs> and I had to wear ear earplugs by the way it was so loud mm. and uh then across the street from that was the uh railroad tracks with half a dozen trains a day so <laughs> oh, it man. was uh it was quite a quite an experience but yes it told the 
whole history of Schefter, and it was such a delight to be part of that process. Mm. I, I just think when, when people go into a town and they see public art, whether it's sculptures or murals, it, it the first thing it says is, we care about our town. And the second thing it says oh, yes. is, is, not only do we care, but we want you to be here. It's it's so welcoming, it and you feel comfortable right away. There's already something interesting about the town that that makes you want to be part of the destination. So I think public art is so important. Mm-hmm. I do too. I well, do too. you hit the nail on the head. Well, That's thank you. totally correct, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Ten points. So. <laughs> We we want to say hi to Hoagie because I know she's your assistant. So what does she do as an assistant for you? Well, what Hoagie does as an assistant is, well, let me put it this way. It's the only time I can tell her what to do. Oh, 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 I know. <laughs> I say that tongue and cheek. See, that's why Lisa oh, and I work is. together. It's the only time I can tell her what to do. Oh, right. You're the well, mother. Hoagie is just the love of my life, and she's just uh, uh, full of energy. In fact, our late uh, city manager once said, Hoagie has enough energy to light up Las Vegas. Oh, cool. Right on. That's a compliment. Yeah, he wasn't far from wrong. And it's such a delight for us to work together. She's an excellent assistant, and she's a great little artist herself. In fact, uh, I have heard do a lot of the details. Oh, and she she okay. can paint a straight line like nobody's business. Oh, you know that that saves you that puts you on a level of like genius. Yeah. Mhm. Like the straight line. Yeah. Nobody yeah. can draw a straight line. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, she can. That's right. Yeah. And uh, plus, she runs mm-hmm. errands, washes out the brushes. Uh, oh. Makes the wow. connections with the motel. Oh, speaking of motel. I only have to get one motel room with her as an assistant. Oh, see, here it is. Here it is. It's a lot more comfortable that way, I think. He enjoys it. Well, well, let's say hi to Hoagie. Okay, here she is. Hey. Happy Hoagie. Wednesday. Happy happy hump day. Happy, happy hour to you. So, Hoagie, welcome to the show. I, I wanted to know, first off, is tell us about meeting Chuck, because I know he's your cowboy, right? Right, I call him cowboy because he's had real cow shit on his boots. He ain't no Hollywood rhinestone <laughs> cowboy. Listen, that's right. You, you know what? You've got to stand in it. You can't. You can't not stand in it if you're going to be out in the West. If you, at some point, you need to stand on a patty, but <laughs> or toss one exactly, or have one fall in your face. Yeah, well, I but met anyway, cowboy because one of my my side jobs in Hollywood while I was supporting my acting career was making exotic costumes for strippers. And I was at the back door of the Kit Kat club on Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, trying to sell the outfits to the girls when they first came to work at 11 o'clock in the morning, because they'd be inspired. And he rode up on a motorcycle with uh, all dressed in black with those kind of police uh, glasses were kind of like reflector where I couldn't see his eyes, but he could see mine. And I was really trying to talk to the girl on the back of his motorcycle, Mary, my good friend, about buying this outfit. And I could hardly get the words out because my heart was beating so fast because there was something that I was terribly intrigued about this 
stranger on this motorcycle, and I could hardly get my breath, but um, I did manage to sell her the outfit, and um, later on, I went out to dinner with Mary and said, what's up with that guy? And she says, oh, well, he won't make a commitment. I want to move to Venice. And I said, well, (laughs) Mary, I got to tell you something. (laughs) I find him very attractive. Now, I would never jump his bones while you're with him, but I'm letting you know right now, if you're ever done with this guy, I'm, I'm the first in line, okay? Oh, I'm wow. they're right out there. Wow. So uh, I went to see Mary. She was bartending at Bordner's right off Hollywood Boulevard. And mm-hmm. Cowboy used to live in this loft above Frederick's of Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard oh, with boy. a bunch of other artists and a guy who used to be the roadie for the Chambers Brothers and a and a snake oil salesman and a photographer. <laughs> and they were all still friends. And they used to come down the back stairs of that loft and it came into the patio of this bar called Bordner's and Mary was bartending and when I walked in she said I don't want to work five days you need to work three days and I'll take two and I said good because I'm tired of trying to sell stripper costumes because every time I try to collect the money they say oh my dope dealer got here first or my boyfriend got arrested last night or we got evicted I'll pay you next week (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so I started bartending, and Cowboy came in there flirting with me and asked me out. And I said, okay, what's the deal with Mary? And he said, well, uh, she wants to move to Venice, so I'm going to help her do that. And I said, okay, well, you just keep me posted. So Mary moved to Venice. He helped get her an apartment. He came in and asked me out. And I said, okay, what's the status? And he says, well, we're definitely separated. And I go, well, how does Mary feel about that? And he said, well, that might take her a little longer. And I said, well, you come back and you talk to me again when Mary knows that it's all over. And so he came back a few weeks later and said, it's definitely squared between us. And we went out on a first date to Olvera Street and had Mexican food and Strawberry margaritas, and we haven't been separated since. Well, all righty then. Strawberry margaritas. Are we we talking Venice Beach or Venice Venice? Venice Beach, ma'am. We're talking Venice Beach in Hollywood. All righty then. I love Venice Beach. Me too. I haven't been there for years. Yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah, I used to love to go down to the boardwalk there and walk around and see what everybody, the musicians and the crazy Mm -hmm. people, vendors and all the the personalities, yeah, and all the entertainment. It's fabulous on a Sunday oh, afternoon. Yeah. So, so what got fun. what got you into the world of acting? Well, my mother went to take me to Morishira in the red shoes when I was five years old, and I came home and I wouldn't stop dancing till she promised me ballet lessons. So I studied ballet for fifteen years, and I became a soloist with the Sacramento. Civic Ballet, and my my dear mother passed away of cancer when I was 15, and I was really devastated, and I went through a whole apocalypse because I was left in the house with my father, a Swedish father who was very strict, and two brothers, and I was always saying, I'm going to be a dancer, and my father wanted me to go to college, but I realized we were hitting heads, so When uh, my mother passed away and I had one more year in high school, I suddenly decided that's the best way to get out of the house is go to college. So I told my dad I would go to college. So I went to San Jose State, 
and I got down there, and I got into the first musical, which was The Music Man, and I realized, wait a minute. I wasn't mesmerized by the media of film, um, by the media of uh, dance. I was mesmerized by the media of film and acting. It just took me 15 years to figure it out. So I immediately wow. transferred to UCLA. I was in my third year. I checked into UCLA. I got into the dorm there. I got to my first day of classes, and I picked up the trades, and there was this audition at Walt Disney NBC. I jumped in my Mustang. I drove out to Burbank Studios. I put on my point shoes. I hadn't had them on for three years while I was in college, and I faked it through the audition. And by the time I got back to the dorm, they called me and offered me a two-year contract to tour the United States, Canada, and Mexico as Alice in Wonderland. And I went to the dean at UCLA, and I said, can I get an honorary withdrawal? And they said, yes, that's possible. How long wow. have you been a student with us, young lady, after I showed him my contract? And I said, five days. <laughs> <laughs> and I never looked back. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, did, so this was before meeting, before meeting Chuck, right? Going on the Oh, yeah, tour. this was way before that. Honey, I'm dating myself. I'm 71 and fabulous i like to say <laughs> she and that is was fabulous. when Everyone in 1969 i wasn't even i wasn't even 21 yet so she she was happy she was rolling and running <laughs> it's a late bloomer so i want to know because because you sent me an email and you said you dived into dived in with snakes in argentina for a game show like okay okay how does that even start to happen no, that you end up on a game show in argentina let's kind, just start there and what kind of oh, i don't want to know okay you just yeah. Yeah. You you just go online and there's a there's a website called realitywanted.com and you see everything from survivor to going on Oprah and mm-hmm. you submit and sometimes they want a video, you know, you self tape or sometimes you go in for a personal interview or you know, or sometimes like one time for one of these reality shows I've done about 6 of them. I had to go to the infield at Santa Anita Racetrack on a Sunday afternoon of the opening of the races, and I got lined up with thousands of people and got two minutes to dazzle them, and then you get cast, and they they run you up the flagpole, they interview you, they do a psych test, they do a physical analysis, and this particular show was for um, fear same people that do Fear Factor in the mall, and they were doing another show called The State of Panic, and they were shooting it in Argentina because they did terrible things to us. It was one of those competition shows, and we mm-hmm. fly down there, and we're blindfolded, and we go to this big old mansion, and we go into these rooms where they say you got to get the money and you got to get out of the out the door by a certain time. You go in the room, you start collecting the money, and all of a sudden. Uh, painting falls off the wall and water starts coming in and then all of a sudden snakes are swimming in the water oh but hell I was no too busy getting the money and stashing the money and making sure i got out the door before the time was up and it ended up this big samoan guy who was one of the competitors who said when they interviewed him oh that old lady gonna ain't gonna do nothing and sure enough when the door was clothes they would unlock it every now and then we were the last two in the room and I saw that he might get out before I did so I 
dove, and by this time the water was pouring out of the room, and he grabbed me, and we were both airborne, and we hit the back wall and then fell down. And when they watched the tape, they said, well, we have to go back and see who stayed in the game. And they decided when they looked at the tape, they said, Hoagie stays in the game because her butt hit the ground first. (laughs) So the big Samoan guy got eliminated. Aha, uh-huh. that's what he gets. That's what he gets. Our our friend Nicole Robbins, she she was in Fear Factor and she won Fear oh, Factor for she rat. ate the rat. She, she ate, ate the rat. rat that was in the blender. She ate it. She oh, did this, it. See, and, I, I couldn't do that. That's one thing I said because I knew they had done that on Fear Factor. So when they mm. interviewed me, I said, look, I'll go to Argentina. I'll crawl through slimy stuff. You can half bury me, you can half drown me, but I won't eat any creepy, crawly stuff. And she said, this show, you don't eat creepy, crawly stuff. And I said, okay, I'm in. Okay, so now come back to 29 Palms, and I hear you're rolling around in the desert, you know, with the the Marines. Hello. Yeah, I went to another open call in Hollywood, and little did I know it was for – uh, to be a civilian on the battlefield for the United States Marine Corps at the Air Ground Combat Center at 29 Palms to participate in the training to help to prepare our troops for deployment to Iraq and Afghanistan. And they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. The first thing we're going to do is a drug test. Half the people got up and left. They said, okay, the second thing we're going to do is um, – a background check. Half those people got up and left. The next thing they said, you're going to live in the desert 10 days at a time. There's no running water. There's no heating. There's no cooling. Everything you pack in, you'll pack out. It's going to be 14 in the winter nights and 114 or to 124 in the summer. Uh, you won't have a change of clothes. You'll have to survive. You'll have to learn Arabic and uh, it's going to be extreme conditions, and you can't break roll 24-7, and you're going to live out in these war-torn villages that we built that look like the Middle East in the middle of the desert. How many people think they could do that? About 13 of us raised our hand, and I got hired. Okay, so what makes you say yes to something like that? Because I've always wanted to jump off the cliff without a net. I'm, I, I always feel that life is an adventure, and you got to get out there and grab it by the, with the gusto that you've yeah. got and experience everything that any – I feel like every time you wake up, the world is full of endless possibilities, and you just have to mm. participate. Oh, I'm I'm with you on I'm that. Totally down for that. And being living in a geodesic dome, you know, there's something about seeing like you know the 360 degrees, right? And seeing things and watching the desert. And the desert, I think, a lot of people don't understand the intricate beauty of the desert. Mm. I mean, when you walk through the desert, there's teeny teeny wildflowers that are just absolutely amazing. They're like, dude, we're badasses. We're poking our heads out. I don't care how rough it is. Here we are. And I think the desert has that kind of attitude it's got your attitude on that we're going to not just live we're going to thrive we're going to do it so what do you enjoy the most out of living up here in the high desert well i call it um, god's landscaping you don't have to landscape it because god did that for you already Mm. and because we have the luxury of having 10 acres that really border uh, the joshua tree national park it's pretty pristine and we're above the water line see we don't have 
uh, water here. We have to have it delivered. We have an above ground tank. So we don't have much development up here. We have That's 10 nice. acres and we've only got one neighbor about 20 acres away. And we have an Airbnb that's on the other end of the road, and we're on dirt roads, and it, it's what I call the big quiet. You know, the the uh, it's the endless view, and the the big quiet, and the beautiful not only the sun rising but the sun setting. The skies are amazing, and you can see as far as the eye can see. I can see past the uh, um, the mountains and even ice. I swear you can see a slight glow of the lights that that uh, from Las Vegas if you look uh, mm-hmm. northeast because mm. it's right across the East Mojave Preserve from us, really, on the other side once you come out Nipton Road on the 15 from the Mojave mm. Preserve, which we've driven the back way many a times. And it's just there's like people come out from L.A. and they go, what do you want to move out here for? And then they spend one night maybe – sleep outside on our deck or out by our pool patio and they're like oh this is really nice or they bring out a guitar and they start playing music outside and they say you know what I think I could stay another night and I get oh you're you're getting it you're getting Mm -hmm. it yeah there's just a peacefulness and a serenity it gives you space yeah, it it really it's so spacious. Yeah. It's interesting having lived out here and then also out in Tucson area, and then we go into place and we love forests and things. You know, we love nature. We're mm. you know obviously going from park to park, but there's this expanse of the Southwest that it's just it's infinite. It's like looking out to the ocean, and like we are in an ancient ocean bed, right? And it's it you just feel it. Right. There's so much history here, and it just is magical. Are you getting desert lilies on your property like we are just down the road from you? I mean, let's, I, we could walk well, to you, kind of. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know the names of all the plants, but, yeah, we, we definitely have beautiful pink, uh, gorgeous uh, cactus flowers growing and yellow, beautiful cactus growing. And, and I we found a couple of ravens that have adopted us since we moved here. I didn't mm. catch on for the first three or four years, and then I said to Cowboy, Wow, I think that's the same two ravens that keep hanging around. And mm-hmm. now every time we go out and eat breakfast on the deck, they do a little flyby just to let us know yeah. they're nearby. And I, I rescued an owl from my pool filter one day, and he came back two weeks later and fl- did a couple circles around the deck and flew right at me. The cowboy said he came back to tell me thank you. I saved yeah. his life. and. Absolutely. I've got, uh, if I go out, I've got jackrabbits that run by, and I just have a roadrunner now that's nesting in our workshop area, the artist workshop cool. area outside, and uh, he's, uh, and I noticed he was uh, on the nest, and, and uh, he went out to get some water, and I very quietly stood on his stool and looked down in, and sure enough, there's two eggs, and the poor cool. guy threw all the um, the storm last night. I checked on him quietly because I don't want to disturb him and her, him and her because they both share time on the nest. And he was sitting on those poor little eggs in the oh. middle of all this wind and rain and yeah. everything. So, you know, we feel very close to nature. We, we become very um, uh, simpatico with the wildlife. I have jackrabbits, and I made a water station outside my pool area where they can come and drink and uh, we get uh, families of quail and 
and mm. I talk and I talk to everybody. I talk to my little Scooby Doo's that run across yeah. the desert. The dippy doos. I talk yeah. to the coyotes. Yeah, yeah. See, that's, that's they the looked way it at is. me, lady, lady. I'm a coyote. I'm not supposed to be your friend. <laughs> I love but, that. But you know, coyotes are really interesting. When we lived in Tucson, we had a vacant lot on, um, well, actually on one side, and then in the front of us. And one day, this coyote just like beds down in the lot across from us. I'm like, there's something wrong because they don't do that. Oh, wow. There's too many people. Yes. And eventually, I opened the garage door. And I I put water out, and I put eggs. Oh, wonderful! And he comes oh. in. The next thing I know, we have this coyote. He's three-legged. Like, yeah, yeah, and he had old, a, old one. Yeah, he was older, and he had something wrong oh. with one leg, and he just bedded down. And we're like, okay, and we have cats, oh. right, on the inside. Oh, so I'm like, this is this is interesting. Yeah. And then he peed. And, in, he peed in the garage. Yeah, he did. He marked his territory. And then we had a roadrunner that immediately, that was in the backyard, went on the roof with the feral cat. Yeah. And so did the feral oh, cat, which on the other side. And so we had this roof population. We had the coyote in the garage. Wow. The f- I love it. <laughs> I know, and it yeah. was so cool because we just moved around as normal, and like we'd have cocktail hour, and then. All of a sudden, they're all here, and the feral cats were on this reed fencing roof we made that was really bad, but we tried our best, and they would sit there, and we, this is really interesting, just Lisa and I, but every time a, a man came over, one of the cats would spray on them. So there you go. Really That's why we call oh, them wow. spray bobs, you know. But yes, right. <laughs> speaking of cocktail right. hour, Hoagie, it is time for... All right, so the happy hour question is, if you could spend happy hour with anyone alive or past, who would it be? Where would you spend it? What are you going to eat and drink? And we want the gossip of what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Well, that's not a... It's going to make me cry, but I'm going to talk about it because every time that subject comes up, it breaks my heart because I see the relationship you have with your mom. And when my mom died at 15, she was my best pal. She was Miss Personality. We would go grocery shopping together, and she would start singing in the grocery store. And at the time, I was so embarrassed. Mother, don't do that. And yes, that's just her personality. She was vivacious. She was outgoing. She embraced everybody. And I used to be embarrassed by those things. And now I look back and I just think of what a wonderful person she was. And we would go to the swimming pool and she would bring a picnic. And if there was some little kid sitting off to the side by himself and she was breaking out the sandwiches, she'd say, look, you have to come over and eat with us, you know. She was this kind of lady. She was so generous. And she mm-hmm. made my, she sewed my costumes by hand when I did some of my first ballet performances. And awesome. when I, when she got cancer, one of the times I got to talk to her before she passed, before she went back in the hospital for the last time. We were sitting and doing a little puzzle together. And she told me that I, Whatever you do, darling, I know you'll be successful because she knew I was having questions about my career and where I was going to go and what I was going to do. And she said, I don't care if you're a famous ballerina or you're a secretary or what, you'll be the best 
at whatever you do. And she's the one that made me so strong and so independent. It made me want to go out in the world and accomplish anything. Wow. Wow. And, you know, that's Mm. it's special because, you know, when parents acknowledge you Mm. and acknowledge who you are and recognize you are and then promote that you can do it, you can do what you want and be part of that journey, you know, and sing in the island. The writing was on the wall and she knew it. It was like Mm. she knew she she needed to reinforce me at that just at the right time before she wouldn't be able to. Hmm. Man. Well, I'm glad you remember her in the positive. I know it's sad, but it's yeah. touching and positive because yeah. a lot and of there's see, a lot of people don't have that, you know. Right, and when I see ladies like you that you know have this great relationship with your mother and the, the longevity of getting to do all these wonderful mm. things together, I know my mother and I would have done that. I used to sometimes when she was. Um, in doing the cancer thing and before it got really bad I would pretend I was sick at school so that they would send me home and she would come and pick me up and we would just go go out to lunch yeah. well you know and, and, and hang out everything. Just have, and go shopping and just hang out and have a good time together mm-hmm. and I'm so glad I did that and, and you know what quality time is always quality time versus routine time we, I know we need routines because we need to be stable. That's right. But routines right. are made to be, just like rules, are made to be broken in the right time, That's in right. the right way. Uh-oh, what are you going to do, Nancy? That's I know something's right. up. <laughs> She's going to do something. She's going right. to do something. Just look for it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So before you put us over to Chuck, where are you going to spend yeah. the happy hour with your mom? Where would you do mm. that? Oh, I don't know. We 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 would have such a good time. I mean, we were in the Cress's dime store in the ba- in the basement where they had a little counter service, and you know, having fish sticks and 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 chocolate sundaes. That would be fine with me. Oh, sounds like fun for sure. Well, I appreciate that right. because here's the deal. Right now, while everyone's trapped up and cooped up together. There's that irritation that happens between people because they're all together and it's like, hey, we haven't been around each other this close, this long. We're going to have a show about that, everybody, April 14th. But reality is to embrace it and embrace those things. And you're going to – all those irritational things are something that you're going to miss down the road. So embrace it and embrace the time you do have. Right, and when you do realize that, you know, Cowboys – 81 and I'm 71 even when we get into a little you know start to get into an area where we might conflict I always say to myself you know it's not even worth it. the time I spend yeah. with him it's too precious yeah. you never know what might happen and you want to make every moment the best you can so it's not worth it to fuss about anything exactly it's true you know I kind of have on a scale of 1 to 10 really just how important is it? And then you realize it's not right. important at all or it's mega important. No, it's and then you not have important to, at all. Or you have to choose your actions and your words extremely carefully. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, right. Just respect from the heart. Hoagie, thank you so much for joining us and, and also sharing, you know, 
this personal time and, and relationship you had with your mom. We appreciate it, and it's been fun. And um, can you put us over? I know you and Chuck, you know, again, everybody, this is we're all doing this a little differently today uh, with this pandemic. Sure. Thingy. But, uh, yeah, thank you so you much. And I care. hope before we leave that we get to see you and give you a hug before we, we leave town, and I promise we don't have the virus. <laughs> so it's gonna That's be right. Fun. I hope so, too. That would be a lot of fun. I'd love to see you and in, in, interact with you in person. Yes, you definitely. Too. Here's Cowboy. Thank, hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Cowboy, do you have cow muck on your, on your boots? <laughs> she said so. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, good. That's important. There's no cowboy without cow, cow, you know, patties. I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to watch my right. language here, you know. Frisbees. Frisbees. Can you see yeah. why I love this woman so much? Yeah, she's special for sure. And has a zest for life, which is so important. I want to ask you, what is the favorite thing for you living in 29 Palms? Like, what is it? Is it the nature? Is it the art? The community? There's a new bakery? <laughs> Like it's all of the above <laughs> truthfully yeah. you know of course at my age you know i don't get out as much as i used to and all of that but that's not really what it's about it's it's like hoagie said earlier it's about the the environment the fact that we're up above the town you know we're we're three miles from downtown and we can look look down upon the city lights at night we can look at the marine base we can look 30, 40 miles away to our northeast and uh, to the west. And it's the interaction with the wildlife. It's the fact that I can walk outside, interact with the wildlife, take Mm. photos of the environment or one of the critters and come into the studio and paint. I don't have to go anywhere. Right. And the environment. We just wouldn't trade it. The, the lighting isn't the lighting to me the lighting is such a trip out here just you know going out in photography wise and seeing in the mornings watching the sunrise and seeing the changes and how you know there's people who've written that you know sunsets are are golden and sunrises are pink and i just want to say you don't have a damn clue obviously because <laughs> if you get outside in the morning it can change according to condensation and there's well, pinks and, and it can what go, angle you're looking at it'll go from pink yeah. to orange and gold and that I don't know where that came from, but I see all these quotes of people who say they know what they're doing and know what they're talking about. And I don't. I see the light here. It's a different light. I mean, having lived in the Sonoran and Mojave Desert, to me the desert lighting is there's a magic to it, man. Lisa, you're absolutely right, and uh, I think a lot of people that visit the desert for the first time uh, pick up on that. And maybe they don't know exactly what makes them feel as good as they do, but that's that's part of it. And yeah. see, I'm part. Well, I'm a Dutch German, and like Hoagie said, uh, part Cherokee Indian. And uh, the Dutch German part of me uh, appreciates the light, and that, that's kind of what I try to convey with my landscape paintings. Mm. The, the lighting is that's. 70% of the painting right there. Yeah, I think that with with the murals and that we've experienced and of your work, you definitely have an affinity for nature as well. Um, but now I have to ask you, like we asked Hoagie, if you're going to spend happy hour with anyone, alive or passed on, who would it be? Where are you going to spend it? We want to know about the food and, and you know, what are you going to drink? And what we want the gossip. What are you going to talk about? Well, I don't really have to think too hard about that. Is um, 
is I would love to spend the happy hour with my late father. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albert Franklin Kaplinger, he uh, passed away in 1966. It could have been 67. He was age 58, and he oh. died way before his time. It was from hardening of the arteries, as they called it back then. And I would love to spend the time, like, say, at an outdoor country picnic. Let's say it's we're back in Texas. We're having fried chicken, potato salad, uh, some of my dad's wonderful uh, pinto beans, and, of course, watermelon. I would drink iced tea, and Dad, of course, would drink coffee. We'd oh. probably sneak off, set beneath the tree, and... Um, I would have a lot of questions for Dad. For instance, his mother was Cherokee Indian, <clears throat> excuse me, and she uh, passed when he was just a young, young boy. And I would like to know how much he remembered about his mother, hmm. because I never really got to know much about my grandmother. I would love to know about that heritage. I'm proud of my Native American heritage. So that would be a, a conversation I'd love to have with him. Secondly, I'd love to hear about, uh, well, one of the questions that I would ask is, uh, uh, from whom did he learn to carve wood so creatively? Hmm. Uh, hmm. He was He was wonderful at woodworking. At one point, when I was working with NASA in Alabama, uh, Mom sent me a photo of Dad proudly displaying some stuff he had made. He had made two violins, a guitar, a mandolin, some hexagon-shaped bowls, stuff like that, and it just blew me away. (laughs) Wow. And his dream was to one day retire and have a little woodworking shop. Yeah, cool. That's cool. So it's been in in your blood, right? This this creative side, you know. The creative side of me is definitely I inherited from from my father. That's awesome. Even though That's he never awesome. would admit that he had any creativity in him. Mm. Wow, wow, interesting. You know, and it's I think also there's something about that tangible side when you're crafting. From wood, you sometimes know? creativity is becomes a it's a natural for some people. They don't really need to learn it. They can learn to enhance it and market it and do things like that. But it's natural. So when you when you say are you creative, they're just like, no, I'm just me. That's kind of the answer, and they don't see it mm. the way other people look at them. They don't see it when they look at themselves. They right. just I'm just me, right. Exactly. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Such a pleasure to have you and Hoagie on the show and also to talk about 29 Palms. I mean, it really is beautiful to be back here. Uh, We appreciate Jerry. I mean, she hasn't kicked us out yet, but it's coming close. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I need to behave, really. (laughs) You know, we're really trying. Uh, But everyone, go check out Chuck's website. It's desertartstudio.com. Also, uh, keep up with, you know, the property here is beautiful. It's 29in.com. Uh, but thank you so much, and uh, we'll be chatting with you and hopefully see you guys before we leave town. Yeah, hopefully we can do that. Oh, we would love that very much, and thank you so much uh, once again for having us on your show. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. You take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye now.